Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to the Antelope Island State Park Podcast. My name is Trish, and I am the park naturalist at Antelope Island. So temperatures are rising. School is going to be out for the summer soon, and the park is going to get a lot busier. Uh, I figured that this would be a really good time to go over what it means to recreate responsibly at Antelope Island. So responsible recreation was kind of a buzzword for parks during the worst part of the covid 19 pandemic right in that kind of March April May of 2020 but it goes further than just the social distancing and avoiding crowds and and all of the other messages that we were trying to get out during that time now if you're listening to this podcast I have to assume that you are a responsible human and I don't have to remind you to keep your dogs on a leash, pick up after them, remove their waste, don't litter, you know, all of those kind of common sense stuff. So I'm not going to spend any more time on that. What I want to go over in this episode uh, is just some of those less obvious things that can do to enjoy the park safely and responsibly so that we don't lose or damage the resources here or worse, cause injury to yourselves. Okay, so I'm going to get the big one out of the way first. Bison are dangerous. Bison weigh a lot, like the weight of a compact car. So they weigh a lot, and they are faster than they look. Uh, You will not outrun a bison that's charging. Uh, Not on a horse, not on a bike. I sound like Dr. Seuss. Not on a trike. I can't think of any other rhymes, but... No, you will not outrun them. 40 miles per hour is fast, folks, and that's how fast they can run um, without a lot of warm-up. So don't don't get in their path. All of that said, bison are not predators. They do not want to hunt you down. They will defend themselves. And what looks threatening or what looks like a predator to one bison may be totally different than another. Even time of day, right? You may encounter a bison who seemed really just relaxed at one point in the day, and then later in the day, they may be more agitated. They really have different moods, just like we do. So do everyone a favor and give yourselves 100 meters of space um, between you and the bison whenever possible. We do have restrictions on the park that prohibit folks from going off the trail. We also don't want our habitat crashed by folks going here and there. But on the occasion that you're out on the trail and a bison is nearby, please go off the trail. Give them a lot of space, that 100 meters, as I said. It is 100% okay to break the park rules in order to keep yourselves safe. So go around them. Get off the trail. Give them plenty of space. Keep yourself safe. Now, there are some trails out here with rocks and hills and other things that will make it easy to approach a bison without even realizing, just on accident. Uh, In fact, the last few injuries that we've had out here have been this exact scenario. You really need to just stay vigilant and aware of your surroundings all of the time. Just expect to have bison nearby. It is super fun to bike and run with music in your ears. You get that beat going, that rhythm. Save that for the gym. I know it's tempting, but we need you to pay attention to all of your senses. Use everything that you can to make sure that you are noticing these animals um, before you do encounter them too closely. Uh, Leave the earbuds in the car. If you do encounter a bison, slow down. If you are running, slow down to a walk. If you are biking, slow down and go around them slowly. 
if you run or zip by them on a bicycle, you might be giving off some predator vibes and that's not a good thing. One of our primary goals at the park is to promote watchable wildlife. We want you to have access to these critters. So we place scratching posts and rocks um, next to the road for a reason. When you see just a random post sticking out of the ground and, and go, what the heck is that for? <laughs> um, it's very likely that we've put it out there to uh, draw the animals into the road so that people can see them. The bison especially are super itchy creatures. They are, especially right now, they're dropping that winter coat, so they're scratching that off. And also the bugs, we'll talk about bugs later, but the bugs that are biting us this time of year are also biting the wildlife. So these little rock placements and scratching posts are really uh, beneficial to them, and it, it provides a really nice viewing opportunity. So we are doing everything that we can to bring the animals closer and make them accessible um, to all of our visitors just from the road. But that said, it is up to all of us to keep the wild animals wild. Uh, respect their needs for a safe space, a healthy habitat, to ensure that visitors well into the future, um, our grandbabies, can have the same viewing opportunity that we have today. I will tell you something. If we do continue to get folks who are setting up GoPro cameras within inches of owl boxes, we are going to stop seeing burrowing owls in these areas. We have a huge problem too with folks in the winter who are trying to get photos of those giant, beautiful monster mule deer bucks. This is a super stressful time of year for them already in the winter. They're coming out of the rut, food sources are scarce, they're exhausted, it's already very hard. And we have seen otherwise healthy animals, healthy deer just drop uh, and die from exhaustion because they are being pressured around by photographers trying to get um, closer and a better shot. So also for your own safety, remember that any wild animal, even those big, majestic, beautiful mule deer bucks, they will defend themselves from what they fear are predators. So don't act like a predator. <laughs> Stay 100 yards away from all wildlife all of the time. All right, let's talk about coyotes. Uh, this time of year, especially, we seem to have more human interaction with our coyotes. Now, first, are they coyotes or are they coyotes? Email me and let me know. <laughs> it's it's kind of a, d a debate around here. Maybe I'll throw up a poll on social media or something, too. I used to be firmly in the coyote camp, uh, but I seem to be drifting into the camp coyote since reading there was a coyote who swallowed a flea, which by the way, is an adorable children's book and available in our gift shop. Okay, back to where we were. Coyotes, coyotes. Um, they are our primary predator on the island. We count on them to manage populations of almost all of our other critters. So as the, the primary predator, they do really, really well out here. They have plenty of food and plenty of water, and they are adapted to survive harsh cold winters and blistering hot summers on the island. Part of how they do this is by shedding their winter coat. Coyotes will grow an additional five inches or so of hair to stay warm and comfortable through the winter out here. So when temperatures start to warm up like they are now, they'll start shedding all of that extra fluff. And they're most likely not sick. They look sick, kind of mangy. They're definitely not hungry. Do not feed the coyotes. 
ever. <laughs> coyotes are omnivorous, which means um, they'll eat plants and animals. And so there's plenty of food and plenty of options for them out here. They are also very opportunistic. So if it's easier for them to find a Cheeto that is tossed out of the back window of a minivan, you bet they're going to eat that Cheeto. Then they're going to expect Cheetos from the next car and the next until those interactions really do become dangerous and the animal has to be removed. So are you seeing a theme? Staying 100 yards from wild animals will keep you safe. It's going to keep the animals safe also and thriving on the island. Um, what we don't want to have happen is the animals to start getting used to us, right? So keep your distance. Take your photographs from a good, safe, respectful distance. Remember, too, that Antelope Island is a wild place and we have wild things like insects. We are self-aware, so we, we understand that we have insects and, and we know that it is more severe than most other parks that you'll visit, especially in Utah. Um, and so if you follow us on Facebook or Instagram, you will see me once a week on our stories, I'm just giving kind of a, a weekly bug report. And it's those biting gnats that I'm I'm mostly talking about because that's, I think, what catches most folks by surprise and what we're unfortunately known for this time of year. Um, but we also have mosquitoes and ticks, those kind of disease carriers, right? West Nile virus, Lyme disease, those are things that you, you should be concerned with with those insects. So do make sure that you are bringing insect repellent with DEET that is effective against the mosquitoes and the ticks especially with your dogs. When you get home, do a thorough tick check with your dogs. We know how hard it is to keep your dog on a trail. They're on a six-foot leash, right? Because you are a responsible recreator and you know that um, park rules say that dogs have to stay on a six-foot leash. But six feet off the trail is a good distance to travel through some of that grass. Um, where the ticks are. So especially for your pups, make sure you do a really good thorough tick check when you get home. So last thing I want to talk about is the importance of historic artifact preservation on the island and anywhere really. I want to go into much, much more detail on this. So you are going to hear about this topic uh, more on a future episode when we have a little bit more time. The island has been used by people for thousands of years and evidence of that is still scattered all around the island. We are lucky to have our very own historian on the park who catalogs all of these artifacts uh, as we find them. But we are finding new bits out here all of the time. So the items themselves, the condition of the item, and the placement of the items, all of this is significant and necessary when we're trying to kind of solve the mystery and, and put together these stories uh, from this evidence. So if a thing gets moved, if an item gets moved, or worse, if it gets removed completely because somebody thinks it's cool and it makes a good souvenir, we lose those stories. Uh, we lose that evidence. So as you explore our park, it's very possible that you're going to come across some of these artifacts. Carl is uh, always busy cataloging these things, so it's, it's possible and, and likely that he's already documented it. But if you want to be sure that we know about it, don't disturb it. Um, leave it exactly where and how you found it. Take its picture and send us the picture with a pin or um, just GPS coordinates for the item. 
the last thing we want you to do is to, you know, throw it in your car and bring it to us and say, look at this cool artifact I found, because then, you know, we, we lose the, the part of the history with its placement. And we, we definitely don't want to take it home and, and throw it in a drawer where it won't ever be discovered. So make sure that you um, send us those pictures, send us those locations, and, and we'll be thrilled to have that information. I want to mention, too, that sometimes it can be really hard to tell the difference between litter and artifacts. And I fell victim to this. I have to confess, I was duped by an artifact once. Uh, when I saw, it, it just looked like a black piece of plastic, maybe from the bottom of a car. We, we find things like that often, especially along some of our rougher roads. So I pulled over. I threw that bit of just what I thought was trash in the back of my truck, and away I went. It turned out that it was not garbage. It was an artifact. And I spent the rest of the day backtracking, retracing my steps, and trying to find... Um, the perfect little divot in the in the earth, in the perfect spot and condition where I probably pulled this little black strip up. And it turns out that this little black piece of what I thought was garbage uh, was a historic chunk of a huge conveyor belt that we'll talk about um, later in our artifact episode because it's it's interesting history and evidence that you know, sometimes it just looks like trash, and it's not. So I also don't want to discourage you from helping us out by picking up litter if you see it. Uh, most of the time it's obvious, right? Beer bottles, always litter. Uh, Starburst wrappers, always litter. Paper masks, litter. So uh, you can you can always do your part by helping us clear that out. But if you're not sure, please just snap a photograph and send it to us with coordinates and um, we can look into it further. So that is it for now. This is such an amazing place and we do have amazing resources. So help us take care of it to keep yourself safe first and foremost and to also protect the resources and keep them feeling welcome so that our grandbabies can enjoy it also. Antelope Island State Park is open from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. daily. Visit our website for current park conditions and information on upcoming events. That is antelopeisland.utah.gov. Find us on Facebook at Antelope Island State Park, Instagram at Antelope Island State Park, Twitter at Antelope SP, and find our channel on YouTube. We tackle a new topic on the first of every month on this podcast, so if you have any suggestions for topics, I would love to have the inspiration. Please send those to tackley at utah.gov. See you on the island.